You are listening to the Pro Ecclesia podcast from the Truett Church Network. Thank you for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Well, welcome, friends who are joining us today, wherever you are joining us from. Um, this is Matt Homeyer on the Pro Ecclesia podcast. We appreciate you uh, listening. Uh, during this summer. We are joined today by Dr. Jack Bodenhammer, um, who works in Ministry Connections for us at Truett, and has been a part of the Pro Ecclesia podcast up to this point by leading uh, Five Good Thoughts. And we're announcing today that we're going to spin off Five Good Thoughts into its own podcast that will be is available right now and will be available with new episodes uh, over the course of the summer as its own downloadable podcast as part of the broader Pro Ecclesia Growing Podcast Network. And so um, today, to launch that and to announce it, we are combining efforts and doing a little bit of the Pro Ecclesia podcast and also Five Good Thoughts Together that will be posted on both of these podcasts. So over the course of the summer, um, Pro Ecclesia will still be offered, will be more long-form discussions and conversations on pastoral leadership and other things related to Truett Seminary. Five Good Thoughts will still be posted um, with various guests over various topics, offering offering good thoughts um, on any number of pastoral leadership issues. So Jack, welcome. We're so glad you're with us today. Yeah, glad to be here. It's kind of this proud dad moment where I've got a a podcast. It's, It's like a real thing now. Well, you know, it's kind of like uh, nothing in life happens if it's not on Instagram. No person exists unless they have a podcast. I think so, that's fair. Um, you, you, now, <laughs> you now exist. Uh, maybe that could be a conversation in the future. <laughs> um, today, we are talking about friendship. Um, friendship specifically for ministers, which is the primary audience that listens to this. Uh, ministers are often a, a lonely bunch that are great at helping other people, not so good at having genuine friendships, and also talking about how we help our churches foster and cultivate friendship, because friendship is just not too high a bar for church membership. We should exist in friendship together, and we'll talk more about that. Um, Jack, you've done a lot of research on this and reading on this. Just kind of give us the landscape of friendship friendship as an adult is surprisingly difficult yeah man it is and and you know full disclosure here right we're friends and and some of this has kind of just you're moving a little fast well, you know on. five years later <laughs> work, uh, work proximity associates <laughs> is what i thought no, yeah we are friends uh but we weren't five years ago i think yeah. in and there's something about the progression and investment in one another uh, that develops friendship over time that is increasingly difficult uh, as an adult uh, for any number of reasons. And it's not particular to the church or to ministers. I think this is, is prevalent across American culture. I do think it's unique in its uh, some of the whys for ministers, but there's some really great research out there that that's, both fascinating and and depressing some of it. Um, But coming out of COVID, American Perspectives did a survey. Um, And and this is a non-religious group that publicized their their findings on on the internet. You can search this uh, if you want to. But they've come up with some really interesting conclusions about friendship just across the nation for adults that 
uh, adults have fewer close friends than they have ever before. Um, they talk to friends less often and they rely on friends less for personal support. So now, adults today have less friends than adults of previous decade, not less than previous and in life, but previous compared to other adults. Yeah, yeah. both actually. Both. It was yeah. what they're finding is, so this came out, out of COVID, kind of May yeah. 2021 is this research that I've, I'm citing today, that we have fewer close relationships compared to the 1990s in the yeah. polling that took place in the 1990s, but also that through COVID and experiences, our circles have grown smaller. Mm, okay. uh, so it's a both and there. And there's a lot of reasoning and some of it um, is, is really fascinating on the why and, and you could parse any number of these things for a long time, but some of it's related to uh, Americans are marrying later. And so we're later in life in developing deeper relationships. Um, you mean as a married couple. And so that gets harder. Your, your friend, friendships often transition once you get married. Right. Yeah. Things just change, right? That's one of those fundamental changes in life that friend groups change, any number of things. Yeah. And, and when that happens at 22, when you're leaving college, as has been in generations past, um, you're kind of set up for a new stage of life. Yeah. When it happens at 26, 27, 28, um, where you've got a professional life and all these things, there's some uh, just functionally more difficult in it knowing people yeah. at that yeah. point. Um, another really interesting one, and I think we're going to touch on this later, um, is we spend twice as much time with kids compared to previous generations. Mm -hmm. So in, in previous generations, and it's not just latchkey kids, like you and I grew up in the 80s yeah. where it was okay to send your kid home with a key around his neck and get into his house. But in generations, I mean, dating on back. Yeah. And so we are uh, so invested in our family that we have abandoned relationships. Interesting. Yeah. Which you yeah. wouldn't want to, you wouldn't necessarily say, oh, you love your family too much. Nobody, <laughs> nobody wants to say that. But uh, at what expense, mm -hmm. I think, is, is an interesting yeah. question for those of us that may say we live disconnected lives yeah. from people and no one knows us deeply. Um, and it may be because we've got yeah. some different values. Um, it's hard, right? I mean, particularly when your kids are little, but even at kind of preteen age where we are and knowing friends with older kids, it's just hard. It's stress. It's not always relaxing and fun to get together with other people and your kids. <laughs> and if you didn't grow up in a place where you have family, if you've moved to a place to live where you don't have deep family, you may not always have babysitters, babysitters. I mean, there's babysitters are expensive. Um, your kids probably hate it. <laughs> just <laughs> it, there's a lot of things working against that. And you're just also tired. Everyone's yeah. tired. That's, yeah. and that's one of the bigger reasons as well is this is May, 2021. And the research found that we're working more mm. and traveling more mm. coming out of a time when you thought, oh, we were at home or a lot of us were working yeah. from our homes, we're working less. And that's just not true. They found that our hours working were more, yeah. that we were traveling more for work as, as again, this is broad scope national oh, so not research. Just traveling in general, traveling for work. Right. Specifically. So we're, yeah. I mean, all these things are counterintuitive to a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so in ways, but also when 
the boundaries between the parts of our world blur in negative ways. Like we work from home technology, we take it home. It means you're just always accessible. And so where other, you know, in previous generations or even pre pandemic, not everybody, a lot of people, you went home and then you were home and you you still had technology, but there were more differentiated uh, boundaries there. And as those blur, that makes sense. So that becomes more difficult. Yeah. So you have all these kind of amalgamations and there are probably a million other reasons why, but I found that those three to kind of articulate the issue that maybe all the people in our pews are facing and maybe some of what we're facing uh, as ministers and pastors and those that are leading people in our pews who would might say, uh, or statistically would say they do not have close friends. Um, and here's one of the most staggering findings uh, for from a per- pastoral perspective is that Americans are more likely to make friends at work than any other place, including schools and yes, places of worship. Which is a time thing, probably. I mean, right. I mean, that you 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 obviously have some shared interests if you work in the same place, same probably some shared background, some shared education, obviously just work, but it's likely just, that's where you are yeah. 10 hours a day. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly <laughs> um, yeah. right. And you're too tired otherwise, huh? But I think what we need to hear that as ministers is to say, are we facilitating mm-hmm. friendship? Like you said, yeah. friendship is not too high a bar for those that are coming uh, to sit in our pews, to come and be part of our quote unquote community of God. Um, and, and there is some wonder, uh, I think of as, as pandemic hits and we're now, let's say out of it, um, and people haven't come back as much and it may be because we thought we were doing community really well. Mm. And we use things like, well, we're a family here. I talk to churches every week. Well, we're family. We, we really do community well. And it may be that we did not empower our people to have significant, deep relationships. Yeah. When you start comparing generations, um, in 1990, uh, only 3% of the, those responding said they had no friends. Okay. That rises to 12% in 2021. That's, no a, that's a quadrupling yeah. that would say they have no close friends. A third of those uh, representatives uh, would say they have two or less. Yeah which uh, is an increase in every category. Um, But one of the most significant findings, I think, is in 1990, 33% of the respondents said they had 10 or more friends Hmm. and only 13% in 2021. That is a precipitous drop-off. And I think it reflects a, a disconjointed, disconnected people. And I wonder if some of our churches don't reflect some of our own lives yeah. of being disconnected and, and disjointed. I can just think of the Pearl Jam song right now. Of, uh, <laughs> I'm a lucky man. Count on one hand. Yeah. Some folks, they got none. Others, they got. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I was well, going to sing it. I decided not to sing that. And actually, yeah. Willie Nelson's cover of it, much better. Really? Okay. Just Breathe, Willie Nelson. There you go, All podcasters. Right. Okay. Uh, I will look that up today because I'm much more... Uh, close voice to the nasally willy then <laughs> you can pull that one off <laughs> the, the, yeah, booming eddie better um okay uh tangent over yeah. come back to it 
um that's that's fascinating i mean it reminds me of the uh the meme about the show friends you know that the, the real miracle of friends was that uh they had five great friends or how many <laughs> how many are on the friends six five yeah uh five great friends in their 20s you know yeah that, um, it is i mean up until adulthood and even into adulthood if you're in school um or in some situations friendships just sort of built around you you're in school or you're in training education different things and then all of a sudden you're plopped down largely in a new community and you've got to make this on your own and we don't have often don't have the skills to do it even ministers who are largely good people persons and care for others um, to pierce through that pastoral relationship to a realm of genuine what we would call we'll talk about in a minute like spiritual friendship yeah is just a difficult thing to crack um, as everything in our lives orients around our living space and our space, our backyards, not our front yards, things like that. um, And not toward community together. Yeah. yeah. It makes me wonder if, if we're good people persons, but not good person persons. And that is as long as it's this kind of big group, we're we actually as ministers can function really well in this and even introverts i think as i would call myself would function well in that kind of space Um, but it's really harder to be be beyond the surface Mm. and and have something that it's in depth and meaningful uh time effort energy like anything and um yeah, when you don't have school or something that's pulling you in and you have 12 hours a day like work. Yeah. Um, uh, but so many of us work and go home and, and that's that's life. Yeah. And there isn't depth there. And it is that it's so hard to do. And yet it's a universal longing. I mean, again, you and I have stumbled in through work, really. Ours has been through work, even yeah. though it's ministry, it's through yeah. work. um through a genuine good friendship that is just hard to find in adulthood um and we have other friends from from other places and and different and other generations or stages of life and friends now but uh but it's there that longing and when you find it when you find that connection i mean it it just it meets some need within you that, that again everyone has and yet it is so difficult to find and prioritize the time and muster the energy. And, and I even think about the question on church. I think a lot of the places where I've worshiped or the places I've led even um, to just have a gathering that focused on developing friends, we would have wondered if that was okay. Yeah. But, oh, don't we need a sermon? Don't we need a Bible study? Don't we need uh, some sort of thing that felt I don't know, holier or more yeah. churchy. I had a yeah. church member telling me one time, it's not really fellowship unless you open the Bible. Yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't think so. I think at that yeah. point I, I pondered that question and this person, if they're listening, I'm sorry, but um, it is that's such an assumption yeah. that you and I talking about our lives, our kids, our struggles, our happiness, uh, traveling that's not some sort of like koinonia that's happening that bonds us deeper than um you know you and i reading john 12 together Um, and when the flip may be true how would our 
Bible study, Sunday school, times of worship, giving, attendance, servants, you know, any metrics be transformed if we were genuinely friends with people we went to worship, we worshiped with, where, how would that draw us to it more than preaching or worship or anything else in a lasting transformative way? we would see Jesus and experience Jesus in each other. Mm. Um, anyway, man, that, that, I mean, that's a convicting thought in how we lead our churches and what it means to foster discipleship. I mean, again, we'll get to this in a minute. Jesus calls us friends. Yeah. <laughs> so to be Christ-like is to, I think, not only be friends with Jesus, but one another. But anyway, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, okay, so I think some... I think everybody wants friends. I think that's probably a universal. No, and that, and yeah. that's part of this study is everybody wants friends. And the lack of satisfaction about friendship is uh, it's, it's cross-generational. Yeah. It's cross-ethnicity. It's cross-socioeconomics uh, that there is a, a, a desire. Maybe, you know, maybe even we can trace back to the garden and being created mm-hmm. for co- community. Yeah. There's something innate in us, whether we are believers or non-believers are are from different walks of faith that desire friendship. So let's give some handholds because I think, again, everybody wants it. We don't always know how to cultivate that, particularly if we're starting from scratch, right? Like, and um, that can be awkward and it can be odd. And even as we sort of pitch the idea of this, we're like, ah, I don't know. It feels a little too vulnerable to just talk about being friends with one another you know just yeah. why is that like that that's such an odd it odd is thing. you know and and just to pause there you and i were talking the other day about a pair of, of pastor friends that call each other every single day and i remember my first um my first reaction is like huh that's that's different and and like that's a bad reaction yeah you and i talk every day um and or, or at least most days, but there is something so uh, delicate. And maybe it's just because it's out of our, our lexicon of conversation around church that, that we haven't valued this for so long that it, it's really a difficult subject to talk about even. Yeah, and it gets wrapped up into, you know, male stereotypes and sure. other stuff, right? Sure. It's just uh, laughable <laughs> when it comes down to it that we yeah. would think, you know, in right, like your gut reaction is like, huh, two 60 year old guys call each other every day. Like, you know, and you're like, no, that's wonderful. Like, that, yeah, I that want that. A, that should be a model, right? Yeah. That would be a, yeah. a dream to have people you're in relationship with 30 years that you continue to enjoy and appreciate what a gift that would be for your life. So to, to normalize that, I think is, is a wonderful thing. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. We are promoting five good thoughts. And so yeah. we did wanted to kind of end this conversation with Five good thoughts on friendship. Um, and so give it to us, Jack. I'm going to flip it. You generally host five good thoughts and will be. You're the guest today. Give us five good thoughts helpful for us on friendship. Yeah. So starting with number five, recognize the need. Um, you need this. Uh, I think you're born for, for community. Uh, we are created in community. Um, this is This is innate. And when we push away from that we're pushing away from something god created that is good um and also the need is beyond you um people 
are watching and, and they need to see you as a minister or a pastor have healthy and good relationships. Uh, I've often used the phrase as a pastor, if you can't lead people where you aren't going. Um, and if, if I don't model the value of friendship and, and true and deep community, um, I don't think I can lead people to value those sort of things. Yeah. Um, and so some of this is, and that, I think there's, there's ripples of that. That's not just congregational, that's, that's family. And that, that has any number of, yeah. of uh, implications for, if I value this, I will inherently be teaching others to value this. Yeah. And that, I mean, that's also how you motivate pastors sometimes, right? Pastors may not, many ministers won't do this on their own unless they feel it's an integral part of their minute. We'll get to that in a minute. But uh, so ministers hear this, your, your people need you to do this. Your family does, you do. Um, but like in anything, your a congregation will likely be only as healthy as its senior leadership and will not rise above that level of, of leadership, of spiritual maturity, of evangelism, of discipleship, of friendship. And, and that's a, both a burden and the joy of pastoring all at the same time is to, to know that because it's a burden at times. It's also uh, a catalyst for change. Mm -hmm. If you can change, if you can grow the whole system around you, you know, the whole might can as well. And, yeah. and what a beautiful thing that is. So recognize need number next. Number four is uh, prioritize time. Um, and you hear this all the time. This is prioritize time is in every self-help book or any number of things. And I don't mean it in like, you need to color code your calendar and make sure you're carving out 30 minutes of space to have a legitimate conversation with an adult. Um, rather, it is to value time and understand it's worth the investment to, to, to be with somebody, to have a conversation to, and, and to have something significant. Um, I'm going to give you a resource here in just a minute, but uh, in that resource, uh, in that book, there's this concept of good enough parenting, mm. and uh, I may get in trouble here, but I just love this idea of, you know, if the fact is true that we're spending twice as much time with our children, and that's not actually helping our children, um, that it actually may be stunting some of their growth and development as other studies have shown that kids need to fall down. They need to fall out of trees. They need to run in the dirt. My kid was playing in the dirt yesterday and I had to just calm myself enough to go, you know what, even if some of that gets in his mouth, it's going to be okay. Um, and, and so the good enough parenting, not the Instagram parenting, yeah. not the social media post of we visited 17 museums, and my kid learned to speak Mandarin over summer, right? Which is the temptation culturally is we took a vacation to the beach. Here are our beach photos. We went 4th of July. Here are those. And so we have these cultivated events that are centered upon our families and our kids at the expense of legitimate friendship. Yeah. Uh, and to make space to say yes to something is to say no to another thing. Yeah. Now I'm not advocating people ignore their families, <laughs> but per perhaps create some habits that allow for this space. One parent puts the kids to bed one night so that the other one can go and be part of something that's, that's going to have these conversations in this, this group, um, or if it's just one other person and then flip flop. Yeah. yeah and then flip flop. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. right. That everybody yeah. needs this. Um, yeah. 
And so to, to, to be creative about creating space for these conversations yeah. and, and, and so much of this starts in the home yeah. and that my, my sons will, will see that I value my friends uh, and friendship is important. Yeah. And maybe that helps them understand the value a little bit more. Yeah. Um, well, and, and I, you know, we've practiced this as we're able, but don't do it enough probably, but uh, you know, if a family's over at our house and their kids are crying or their son's having a meltdown, Quit that, talking about my kids like that. <laughs> that doesn't bother me. I've held your son when yeah. he was a baby and crying and screaming. Yeah. And I loved it because it wasn't my son. I could give him back <laughs> to you, right? But you know, it didn't affect our meal. It didn't affect yeah. the time. If anything, some of those shared experiences are part of what bonds you as friends. It's that experiences of being uh, with people. Again, we'll get to that in a minute. Yeah. Um, and so again, putting down that the house doesn't have to be perfect. Mm. Everything doesn't have to be clean. Our kids don't have to be on their best behavior. Um, and as you said, uh, modeling for them, friendship, modeling for them is to know and to somewhat know they're not the center of the universe. Yeah. Um, they're, they're loved and they're cared for, but um, that that's ultimately a healthy thing. So yeah, I think yeah, I think that's great. Uh, yeah. And, uh, and I, time. I think that's, you know, because I can tell you it matters because the, the first meal our family shared after COVID, because we weren't in each other's bubbles, um, we had, you know, an, a, a six or seven month old baby and, and you and, and Kelly took turns holding him so that we could eat. Yeah. And why do I remember that? Because it's significant and important and it, it represents a depth of trust and friendship um, that, that you don't get everywhere. Yeah. And I think and that's it's hard important. to ask for. Yeah. Oh, I'd right? never yeah. asked, never yeah. asked that in a hundred years. Uh, and so then the temptation, well, if I can't ask, we're just going to default to staying at home. Um, yeah. That, and, and I would add prioritizing time over the course of time. Mm -hmm. um, friendships do develop over the course of time. And um, you know, we had an experience this year with our, we had a 70 day hospital stay with our daughter and, and a traumatic brain injury, which is, you know, fodder for another conversation. But what we found was people that we had been acquaintances with or kind of beginning stages of friendship were with us in that over this course of time. And it moved friendship to a whole level. So there, there will be, it's both prioritizing time over time, we, we recognize a need over time and continuing on when it doesn't become as rich as one would hope immediately keep at it with people you care about. And mm -hmm. there will be instances that help you dive deeper in that friendship and enrich the friendship. Um, but sometimes you got to, it is work. I mean, there is work at it. So I'm just like any relationship. But, yeah. Um, Which leads right yeah. into to number three. Um, this, this is deep. Um, you know, maybe someday it grows wide and you, you are part of that, you know, group of Americans that have more yeah. than 10 friends. Great. That's you happy for it. But really, I think what we're talking about is a deep um, invested relationship that opens uh, wounds and shares joys um, that's, that's unfiltered and is true selves pouring out. And I think one of the ways you do this 
uh, is to practice one anothering mm. from the New Testament. Mm. Um, and, and I'm run down through some of these, but you've heard these and, and these are commandments, right? Like bear one another's burdens, be kind to one another, be subject to one another, bear with one another, encourage one another, exhort one another, provoke one another to love and good deeds, right? And so on and so on and so on. The one anothering passages of the New Testament should shape us in how we engage deeply mm. yeah and i think if we could grab that concept as ministers and pastors as as human beings and and as the church that if we could one another better that there would be mm. the fulfillment of who we're supposed to be yeah yeah and i'm i'm reminded when i was a youth minister in seminary uh in this small church in hubbard outside of Waco, you know, there was no one in the, the church really within 15 years of our age, but the guy closest in age was in his mid thirties and had kids and kids coming into the youth group was a great youth volunteer named Sean Gillum, just great man. And uh, I mean, he did this. He, he brought, I remember he needed to put in a basketball goal at his house and said, Hey, come help me do this. Mm. And he didn't need my help doing it, but I, he knew I was new. He knew that I was young and didn't know many people. And we spent two or three hours pouring cement and putting in this basketball goal. And I learned a lot. And I learned a lot about Sean. And, uh, and we played a lot of basketball on his basketball court. <laughs> and then he, you know, he had all these tools and different, you know, things that a mid thirties person have that an early twenties person just starting out did not. And he just said, anything, yeah, anytime you need anything, you need lawnmower, you need tool, you need this, you, this all is yours. You come use it whenever you want. And it kind of started just a fun, pro we never went and got coffee. Mm. We never went and had lunch probably right. outside of church, but we found stuff to do like that. To, there's just a bunch of different ways to do this. Yeah. That's another, I did this guy's funeral a few weeks ago. He was 57. He died of this stroke um, and heart, heart problems. Um, and he loves smoking brisket. And so he would call me on Fridays in Marble Falls when, you know, when he was smoking, they're like, Hey, the kids are down. I'm smoking a brisket. Come hang out. And we just go over and we'd kayak sometime at night. He lived mm. on a river um, or we'd sit and talk. And again, it was easy. If I had needed to say no, it was a no pressure. No. Um, but I, I said at his funeral, I was like, he taught me, you know, smoking a brisket can be spiritual formation. Yeah. Um, and I, I don't know if he even always knew what we were doing, but um, we just had some great conversation. So there's just so many different ways to one another. Um, yeah. That's a, that's man, that'll preach. Well, and that that's number two, our resources. And I'd just really encourage folks, um, two things here, two resources. Um, and typically we give books and podcasts and all sorts of things, but Spiritual Companioning is the name of the book from uh, Angela Reed, our own Angela Reed and, and a couple of other co-authors that I really encourage folks to grab and, and, and think through this more deeply. Um, but the other thing I would say is, uh, you you can't be a good friend by reading a book mm, yeah. um, that the greatest resource you have is uh, right now, probably in your pocket or purse. And it's your telephone that you can text and you can call. And, and that helps. I think some of us that are more introverted and say, well, I, it's hard for me to take that first step. Yeah. That text text is a beautiful gift and in and, and, and way to engage. Uh, these are very practical things. Uh, shooting a text is a great way 
to begin something moving, getting that ball rolling. Talking on the phone is going to be obviously more connected, being in person, more connected to that. But some of us, you know, it, it takes a it takes a pebble to start an avalanche. Yeah. And and we're we're too busy thinking about, oh, I, I want the deep, deep relationship to ever yeah. even send that text. Um, well, get the ball rolling yeah. and, and see what happens. I think um, it, we're not going to get better at this sitting in a in a uh, coffee shop reading a good book. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Unless you're reading it with somebody. Maybe that's that's it. Maybe that's (laughs) discussing what you read. And part of that is, I mean, just the, we've kind of talked around this, but you're going to have to take the initiative, right? Someone, most people are are deeply desiring this. Very few people have their, you know, full quota of friendships and aren't looking for new friends or new great conversation. Um, And every generation probably reaches the easy way to reach out probably differs for every generation. That's right. For some that may be phones and not text, maybe easier. I think for many of us, texting is the most least uh, invasive into your life and easiest to do. The least, uh, you risk the least, right? <laughs> maybe in a text. And perhaps younger generations have a whole other way that I don't even know about yet. But, yeah. um, but take the initiative, right? You have easy means to do this um invite someone to hang out invite someone for coffee or a drink or something that it's just so easy to do and the worst that happens is they say they can't you know it's not yeah the risk is not actually that large um, when it comes down to it no, that's, that's great. right yeah so resources you mentioned re- oh no that was resources. yeah resources was, yeah spiritual, spiritual companioning and your phone and phones real in-depth stuff you have one of those <laughs> uh, Okay, which leads us to like the drum roll number one. Yeah, number one. Jesus calls us friend. Uh, we mentioned this earlier um, in, in John 15, 15, uh, that we're no longer servants, but Jesus calls us friend. Uh, and if there's no other impetus to do this, no other mo- motivation, it's that Jesus does this. Yeah. And, and Jesus values friendship. Um, it's it's there in the gospels i think it's in the the creation of the church and in, in acts of these are folks that ate dinner together that worshiped together that played together that mm. worked together um, that this is kind of the height of human existence is to do this together yeah and if jesus tells us to do it then it's it's not an add-on it's not an additive experience to this human journey it is actually holy work and it's in it it is a gift and it's a vocation to be good friends mm. is to do the work of Jesus yeah and that has ripples into everything that we would uh you know i think classify as church work or or the good things that come out of church um it may just start with being a really good friend yeah yeah i mean someone and I can't remember who it was in a conversation recently, a fellow pastor said, you know, if I was going to start a movement to go around the world, I would probably start building a large organization. I wouldn't choose 12 people to start it with. Mm. Um, Another way to look at that would be (laughs) Jesus started by developing great friendships of disciples, right? That's different, but it's what he calls us. That's yeah groundbreaking right revolutionary that he switches from servants to friends which is this most intimate and level of terms um 
and so i mean that that's preaches right like yeah. perhaps this could be evangelism and mission and discipleship all rolled in together cultivating friendship could be this uh not to mention meeting some of our deepest personal yearnings and providing deep personal satisfaction um and it's just a good jesus juke to end on jesus did it yeah <laughs> are you better than jesus i don't think so yeah. you uh. have more on your plate you know you have more time constraints yeah um, the, uh, that's really really good yeah um and that would be i mean i think our final encouragement is uh particularly for ministers friendship is not secondary to your primary ministry mm -hmm. it may be you know at the absolute center of what it means to be a pastor a minister is to cultivate friendship to come alongside people to not be just the professional clergy person that's up there on the stage, but a deeply trusted friend, um, and to be able to cultivate this among others and give help give the gift of this um, to others. I mean, that seems to be part of the picture of a new creation, right? A new is existing in friendship with one another. Yeah. Um, uh, and so we're truly bringing heaven to earth, I think, in some of this and yeah. would encourage you, but final thought final blessing for us jack yeah uh you know honestly in these age of of loneliness and isolation um i think my last encouragement would be if you have uh, and so man i'm gonna even worded that wrong um we're here mm. and some of what true church network exists to do mm. is to facilitate relationship friendship network uh, is a very business-like work uh, we might call it friendship the true church friendship doesn't roll off the tongue quite as well <laughs> but i do think if if you're sitting listening to this and going that's all well and good i have no one that i could share these birds with um man you you, you do you do um reach out to us um, because we may not know you but we can get to know you yeah. i think we're willing to step towards you uh if that's the case um because i would hate to think that there's someone because i've been this right i've i've ministered in west texas in an isolated place i know what it means to not have some bubble around me of care um and, and this hopefully can be a lifeline um, that that we genuinely do care uh you and i uh, about ministers and pastors and, and people and so uh if we can be this for you um yeah you know how to get a hold of us. And that, yeah, that, that, which means distance is no barrier to this. I mean, mm -hmm. with modern technology, the world we live in, distance is no barrier to friendship. It doesn't have to be just those right there. Yeah. Um, well, friends, thank you for joining us today. Friends, you see, you said friends. friends. Yes, there we go. You All listeners, right. our friends. Um, thank you for joining us. Thank you for listening in. Um, you can find Pro Ecclesia podcast. Uh, this week and next week as well as five good thoughts posted we will be emailing this out uh sharing it on social media and everything else i hope it will be of benefit and entertainment to you um over the coming weeks we pray for all of you we're thankful for you have a great day bye-bye